So you have a question. You have an actual question. Yeah. Right. So Stephen, I'm going to ask a question about comedy before you can talk about sports. <laughs> I bet you I, can't I talk bet about I, golf to Marina right. either or so soccer. I now consider it my mission to interrupt you so well and aggressively, and yet somehow not impolitely, that you won't even notice you never got to ask your question, nope. and that instead I got to ask my question, which is. No. See, well, by the way, I will. So first off, we have Marina Franklin. But I Franklin. do want to know the, uh, we do have Marina Franklin. We have Marina Franklin as our guest co-host uh, today, Marina Franklin, the Hello. comedian. You can watch her in Trainwreck. You can find her all over YouTube doing stand-up. She's been on all these comedy shows. She's great. But, Stephen, I just want to, on a quick tangent. You're doing a lot of, of pointing. Spe- have you been watching I, a lot of Donald Trump on the TV? <laughs> he's, trying, he's silencing you with that. He really is. Stephen, you're terrific. You're great. We have the greatest comedian of all. I'm, I hear she's the greatest, Marina Brain, but Stephen, you're terrific. You're the best. But I, I want to mention you, because you're the best, I am also sponsoring a Dunkow soccer uh, team I'm along not ha- with I'm you. not happy about this. I'm doing Dunkow Youth. Marina, can I tell you a story? Yes, please. You don't really have a choice. We're just yelling please at do. you. You can't really escape. I, I love watching you two go. So here's the thing. There's. I know you don't like sports. We well, I don't, I don't that. dislike them. I just don't really watch. Watch them or play them. Or... Wait, you really are asking a question without me asking my question. <laughs> See what I did there? No. Check the. I want a judgment. Have you? Do you have any judges in your family or anything? Judges? Yeah. Like actual judges? Yeah. Or just people who are very judgmental? <laughs> oh <laughs> my thing. goodness! Sure. I mean, my mother's side. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so. You're sitting there, but you're the chief judge, okay? And we're, you're going to hear a little case. So there's this tiny little soccer club in England, in Shrewsbury, oh. which is up in the north, northwest in Shropshire. Kind of like the Liverpool of soccer. Not really. And um, little team. And in, in, in English soccer, there are many, many, many levels. There's like the big famous league called the Premier League, but then there are many, many levels below it. Professional, then getting into semi-professional, then getting into like basically beer league, okay? And these guys are about 20 levels below the top level. So they're like a casual, they take it seriously, but they're amateurs. Da, da, da. And I, as it came to pass, they the guy who runs their media and who's also an assistant referee and the backup goalkeeper, is a 16-year-old kid who had written to me, I didn't know he was 16 at the time, asking if Freakonomics would sponsor their club. And I wasn't that interested until I found out that he was a 16-year-old kid, and he was like so, I I love that he was doing this. So I said, sure. And they asked for some money. It wasn't that much money. We did it last year, and they put Freakonomics Radio on their jerseys, and I went to visit them, and it was really nice, that right? That was amazing. And then last year, they actually did so well in their league that they got promoted a league up. So now they're only 19 levels from the top league. So James heard about this and thought, oh, that's a nice story. I think I will sponsor a team also, and we will kick your team's ass. Oh, well, that's— I'm very competitive. That's how you— took that story that's, that's how he took that story and then that's but sports. wait but wait you kind of like wanted to crush the beauty of what happened here but she's sports. a good judge <laughs> you hear in that sports people compete against each other okay but it gets worse instead of finding some other <laughs> unaffiliated team it could have been in england it could have been whatever you know what team he decided to sponsor the new youth team of my same club because marina the kids it's all about the kids i wanted to really help them out with the younger the younger up-and-coming soccer players 
Stephen has the older generation, the 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 ancient oh, you've, ones. Oh, you've created ageism here. <laughs> I'm all about the kids. You've heard his case. You've heard my case. Judge Marina Franklin, what say you? What's the What's the question? The question is: <laughs> Is James Altucher what is the, as, as, a good as bad a friend <laughs> as I think he is, or not quite as bad? <laughs> I I I think it's it's. Uh, we have to look into your childhood and ask why mm. you did this. I was very <laughs> insecure, and the older friends that I had, I really wanted to please them, but mm. I also wanted to compete against them. To challenge them. them. To yeah. challenge them and take them down a notch. Marina, how do you handle success of your—and I'm not saying that my sponsorship of Duncow FC was, like, a success, although it was, but how do you handle your friends' success? Are you truly happy for them? Do you get a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of— ooh, Well, it's a hard business to always be happy for other people. It really is because you. I I find when I'm most happy for other people is when I'm doing well. Also, that's when I can breathe about it. And I notice, like I wrote on. I didn't. I don't think I told you this, but I wrote on a show called uh, Divorce for HBO, and it was the best like accomplishment for me as far as like being a writer and being in a writer's room, getting paid, getting writer's guild. I felt so happy and comfortable and confident. And so when other things were happening for other people, I was genuinely excited for like genuinely because I wasn't stressed. But this business is so up and down. You go through, and then you remember the times when you don't have those things. It's so hard to just go, oh, I'm so happy for you. But do you fake it? I mean, you try to fake it. You fake it, yeah, but I'm not really good at faking it, um, and it's exhausting. So, I mean— and, and does it make you feel—how does it make you feel about your own work? That, I mean, do you feel bad that you're— I try not to look around. It, you try not to. You try to just bring it back to your own work. You you don't really compare it to other people. Your mm-hmm. journey is yours. All these words are true, you know, so you try to make it—you try to make those words true. You, that's the only only thing you can do. But let me ask you this. Um, in some ways, I can see why um, a, even a friend's success could ultimately hurt you because it sort of is a zero-sum game, right? There are only so many roles. No, but I would argue that, let's say, a friend's success, let's say a friend gets a TV show, the friend will bring her on the show. So well, like my friend, is friend, Amy, my friend is Amy Schumer. I mean, you don't get any more successful than Amy is like amazing what she's done as a comedian, as a female, young female comedian who started after me, by the way, was a younger comedian to me and just shot, woo, you know, so you do do a little bit of like, well, why didn't I do that? Or what, what is it? You do sort of analyze that and, and go, well, how come I'm not the star? And when you ask yourself that question, do you have, do you come up with actual answers? I have, yeah, I I do, and I and I and it, it's like a clear, like I know that my path is just very different. I know I look different. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're not going to play the same roles. And there are more for her. There are more, yeah. Presumably, yeah, there are more. Um, there's not like there's not a lot of stories about black women struggling. Uh, with dating in mm-hmm. a vulnerable way that aren't like held together, aren't like sassy black women or not like a judge or like, you know, someone who's really taking you care. You tell me that was racist of me to turn you into a judge a little while ago? Oh, no. 
<laughs> the judge was on the top of my mind, but <laughs> maybe. No. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it is the types of roles or the types of things that I would like to do that really come from me as an actress or a comedian, if they were to go for my brand, is just you haven't seen it. So uh, it's going to be a harder path for me. We have a lot more to say about this topic right after this quick break. I'm Trayvon Free. I'm Mike Drucker. You are now in the room where it's happening. Where we geek out about the best musical of all time. Hamilton. Hamilton. We'll be talking about the lyrics, the history, the production, and we've got some amazing guests. We have actress Kristen Chenoweth. I'm rooting for you, and I'm sorry you shot him. Comedian John Hodgman. I ran home, and I said to my wife and two children, you have to listen to this. Hamilton cast member Jasmine Cephas Jones. Yo, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe right now, and you'll never miss an episode. Join us in the room where it's happening. Everybody! We sometimes talk on the show about how people are generally really, really, really scared of originality. Everybody says we want to do new, we want to push the outside of the envelope, want to think outside the box, blah, blah, blah. But really, when you look at the way most companies make decisions, and this is very much in the creative industries as well, all the media industries— They basically want to do exactly what something hugely successful did and tweak it like two degrees. But if you put something in front of their faces that's truly unique and original, it's it's really scary. And then, you know, and we all know there are all those stories about the books that are published after being rejected by 150 publishers. And it's like, oh, yeah, we we could have seen that coming. Of course they can because it's scary. Do you think that being um, a black female comic means that your original stuff is that much riskier than whatever? Absolutely. Amy Schumer. I mean, I don't, I don't know Amy Schumer's work enough to know how original she is. I assume fairly so. Yeah. I, yeah, I just well, don't know. Yeah. Well, she's. She. Yeah. Well, she was. She's like the voice of this generation of her generation. I. I would. I would say. You know, the way she does it is is probably hasn't been done, I, I guess, in a sense that the courage that she brings to what she's doing is so good for young girls and for women and for feminism and what's going on. The thing is, is that whole trend or that whole thing for push for women and young girls that's great hasn't really come over to the black woman's mm-hmm. side. So we get left out a lot when it comes to the push for women, black women are not as celebrated. And I mean, I have these conversations on the phone with a lot of black male comics. George Wallace said it on my podcast this week. It's so hard for black women in this industry, especially of comedy. Um, It just is. When you look at all the specials that are out there on black women, there's usually one. Uh, There's not a few. And it's... uh, it's so that white people can digest it. And so... What, what do you mean? Like uh, It's appealing to white audiences usually. So the room and the companies and the people who go yes, or the writers or the people who are there to say, we want this to appeal, it's usually white. 
So one, you could say, well, you know, that's a bigger audience. That's a bigger, richer audience historically. So that makes sense, right? On the other hand, I think that's incorrect, though. Oh, you do? Why? Yeah. Uh, I don't have proof, <laughs> but we've been talking about it on my show quite often that there is a larger audience out there. The reason I'm also starting to find it is from doing my own podcast. The audience that listens to our show yeah. is both white and black. And I have white people who write in who say, I don't hear this conversation right. ever, and I love it. Thank you. But I think that's one thing that we all like about podcasting as a genre, and there are some other genres, which is that because they're much more like a pull technology, like I have to choose to get it rather than, you know, I mean, TV has gotten a little bit more pulley, but it's still pretty pushy, and movies are very pushy. It's like whatever they want to give us, that's what we get, and the choice is so much smaller. Podcasts allow an audience to find a show, a show to find an audience, and so on. So I just wonder, like, look, I I have no idea, but I wonder if the route to how this is going to happen, because the problem is you're describing like a kind of chokehold that's really happening probably among like 50 people. It's probably 50 people in America who have the the, the leverage to make the kind of decisions that you want to get made. But, but they're making the decisions in favor of black men, though, right? So yes, they've always done they it for Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, yes. and now Kevin Hart, Tyler Perry. Like they've always men, it's no problem. Right. So what's the issue with women? I don't know. I because I... all the women go to the Eddie Murphy movies. Why are they going to? Yeah, movie? black men have done quite well. Black men have, and especially comedy, have done quite well. You know, we have, like, like Leslie Jones now, who's, like, shot up, and that has become such a story because she's older, she's black, she's a woman, she's on Saturday Night Live. Remember they said for how many years they didn't have a black woman on Saturday Why? What is that? So uh, there are festivals where you will go to where it's a comedy festival and count the number of black women that are there. It's because black women are not... Doing it or they're doing it, and that's why I put it on my podcast. I try, and I have all black. I I say it's women of color, and it is, but I really do try to get more black women on that show so people get to know who they are and know that there's a lot of them out there that aren't getting seen. Uh, and so that's what I get letters about. They go, I didn't even know these women, and they are funny. And that's the thing they'll say to me. So I go, if I know they're funny, if People who have seen them live say they're funny. Who's saying they're not funny or who doesn't want to push for these or who is not rooting for these women? And when they do push for diversity, when they say diversity, is it always going to be the black man? When they say diversity, is is it going to be the black man and then the Latino woman? You're still leaving out a black woman there. Very much so. Um... And I don't know, and it's not that they're not funny. So the re- the rationale has always been, well, they're not doing this, and they're not. No, I've seen them. These women are coming up, and they're really strong. Uh, I-, I would say when I first started, I was probably the only black woman in the scene in New York City. I was, really? I was, yeah, I was pretty much, there was like well, Leanne Lord. And how, it wasn't um, that long ago. Oh, uh, <laughs> now you're bringing up my age, but uh, but yeah. So it, w- I was pretty much the only one kind of wow. stumping around. I was hanging out with Jim Norton, Jim Florentine, Colin Quinn, Greg Giraldo. I was that girl that wasn't even defining myself as the black female. Con- I never did. I just was being funny, 
Uh, and then all of a sudden, everyone's like, you know, you're the only black female comic working mainstream in New York City. Like that's. And then I had other black fe- younger black female comics who were starting go, I look up to you. You have no idea what you've done. I'm like, what am I, Harriet Tubman? What is going on here? <laughs> I didn't even realize it's a it. a great comparison, of course. You're bringing people out of slavery to, <laughs> to, like the, comedy, you yourself to, to the comedy cellar. With the Frederick Douglass hair. This way, the to the cellar. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it is it is a struggle. Um, and I, 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 I don't say, I think, it, I think it's going in the right direction, though. I, I try to always think of it as a positive, that it is going in the right direction. I think they'll have, like, Issa Rae now has her show on HBO, which will be good. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, if that show is successful, then maybe they'll go, hey, stories with leading black women are actually pretty good. You know, you have scandal and stuff, but I'm I'm thinking more in the comedy sense, so we'll see what happens. Hey, James, didn't you have an actual comedy question from Rena? I did. You threatened to ask? Can you stay for one more, Marina, or no? Oh, yes. You sure? Yeah, sure. 100%? All right, all right. On the next question of the day, I want to know when in your progression did you realize, or did you know all along, that this is going to be a long, slow process, that I'm going to be bad for a while before I get good? And if that was a realization, were you discouraged? Did you think about doing something different? Hmm, that's a good question. Thank I'm you trying very to much. think of when that happened. It's I had our a- question of the day then. Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry. 